this is Steve with Life Worth Living. If there's something that I wish you knew beyond just about anything else, it's that you have the upper hand in life. You aren't a victim. You aren't subject to your enemies. You're not subject even to your own thoughts and feelings. God has given you the upper hand over just about everything. Now, as long as you think you don't have the upper hand, it's as if you didn't. But when you begin to realize that the promises in the Bible, the promises of the Spirit of God to you, that you have the upper hand, you're going to no longer sit around languishing or feeling sorry for yourself or being ineffective. You're going to start exercising the authority that God has given you. So listen in, take some notes, and begin to apply the things that we talk about today. And that's where we're at today. We need a shot in the arm. We need a shot in the arm. And I want to know how many Christians do we have here today? Because this message is for Christians. This is for somebody who said, I've given my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm living for him, and I'm going to work for him. And, and so that's, that's what this is. This is for Christians today. And God wants to give you a shot in the arm. He wants to give you some energy, some strength, some power, so that you can make it through this week. Not just make it, but, but get through this week victoriously. And so God wants to give you the upper hand. He wants you to know he's already given it to you. He's given you the upper hand and you and I, we need to start living as if we have the upper hand in this life. He's given it to you. So it's now it's time to start living like it. All right. You may not look very muscular. You may not be very fit physically, but you can be fit spiritually. And he's giving you the upper hand. When I pray for you, As I've prayed for you this week, all of you, I've been praying, God, give each and every one of them the upper hand in their life. Let them stop feeling like they're under life and let them start knowing that they're on top of life. You're on top of your challenges. You're on top of your troubles. Your troubles aren't eating you alive. You're going to eat your troubles alive. You've been given the upper hand. Now, Don't you, let me ask you, don't you want the upper hand? Why would you want to live at at a disadvantage in life? Who would want to always not, wouldn't you always want to have the advantage? You go into, uh, have a root canal, wouldn't you like to have the advantage? If you're having trouble at work with your boss, wouldn't you like to have the advantage in life? Why wouldn't you want it? And God is offering it to you as a Christian, as a man or woman of God. He's offering you the upper hand. If you're in college, in school, wouldn't you like to pray, God, I studied as hard as I, as I could. Now give me the advantage on this test. And bring into memory even things that I hadn't even studied. Wouldn't you like to have the advantage in life? If you're having trouble with someone, wouldn't you love to, to know that God has given you the upper hand in that, in that situation? Now look at this scripture in Philippians 3.8. Now let me tell you something. You can't know that you have the upper hand if you're not reading your Bible. The Bible will tell you, the word of God will tell you and inform you, you have the advantage. But you see, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not studying your Bible, if you don't have a journal that you pull out and write your notes down as you study the word of God, you're not going to know that you have the upper hand. And so you're going to live in life down here when you could be living life up here. And let me tell you what, if you're not a Christian this morning, I want to whet your appetite. I I want you to start thinking, you know what? 
being a Christian may not be such a bad thing after all. If those guys have all the advantages, I want to have the advantage as well. <laughs> what I've been missing out on stuff. So look at the scripture in Philippians 3.8. says, but more than that, I count everything a loss compared to the priceless privilege and the supreme advantage. The supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Look at that. If you know God, if you know his son, Jesus Christ, you have an advantage in life. You have an advantage. You, you may not have even known that you have the advantage, but I'm here to tell you this morning, you have the upper hand if you know Jesus as two things, your Lord and your Savior. You see, Jesus didn't just come to save you. He came to be your master, your Lord, your God, your leader, everything to you. A lot of people want a savior, but they don't want a Lord. But let me tell you something. I have something to tell you this morning. You're going to have a Lord over your life no matter which way you live. Something is going to dominate your life one way or another. And it may as well be the benevolent the, 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 the God of the universe I would rather him be Lord than drugs over me or depression or some kind of sickness or, or something else. No, I want a benevolent God to be my Lord, a good God to be my Lord. So what do we need the upper hand over? Let me ask you this question. Who is it that we need the, over, the, the upper hand over in our lives? Well, the first step is really to gain the upper hand <laughs> is, is we need a spirit of revelation. We need some enlightenment up here in our mind, in our souls. We need an enlightenment to be really aware of who our true enemy is. And you might say, well, our true enemy is, is Satan himself. Well, this is true. But you know what? Your enemy resides inside of you. Some might say, you are your own worst enemy, and I would fully agree with that. Your flesh, your tendencies that you were born with and are with you maybe to this very day, that's your worst enemy. What is this? Your desires, your fears, and your pride. Those are your enemies, and you need God to give you, and I need God to give me a spirit of revelation. The Bible says, talks about the eyes of your heart being opened, and have you ever had an aha moment where you're like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even know that was inside of me. That thought that finally has bubbled up into my mind, I see where it's coming from. It's coming from a bad root that's inside of me that needs to be pulled out of me, and that is my enemy. You see, the enemy himself, the devil, he works based on what's inside of you. He gets a foothold in your life because you have a bad desire, a fear, or you have pride. And see, when you become aware of that pride, that fear, that desire, you can start doing something about it. But as long as it's hidden inside of you, you don't even know that it's there. You need enlightenment. You need a spirit of revelation. That's what Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 16 through 18 says, I have not, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. He says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you and all of my prayers. And here's just a little tidbit that I'll share with you. You can't pray for somebody unless you think about that person. 
Do you hear me? You can't pray for someone unless you think. So instead of trying to pray for people, start trying to think about people first. Get your thoughts off of yourself and off of you and start thinking about someone else, and then you'll be able to pray for them. So Paul was not only praying for them, he was thinking about the Ephesians. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelations. And he, revelation, he goes on, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. You see, we can't start having the upper hand until we know what's going on inside of us. And we need God to take his big old glorious flashlight and shine it inside of us so we can start seeing the mess, the spaghetti mess, the garbage that's going on in our lives so we can start doing something about it with God's help. I love it in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 5, it says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. And this isn't saying wait until the second coming of Jesus. He's saying God's going to show up in your life every day. Wait for God to show up in your life today, and look what's going to happen. He's going to bring to light what is hidden in darkness inside of you, and he's going to expose the motives of your heart. At that time, each of us will receive our praise from God. Do you want praise from God? Let him start pulling the weeds out of your life. Stop reaching. Every time he pulls something out of you, say, no, I got to, no, 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 God, I'm going to put that back in. No, let him pull it out and throw it out of you and burn it and get rid of you. You're going to start having the upper hand in your life when you let God start pulling the weeds out of your life. You know what's there. And God, if you don't know what's there, God's going to show you what's there. Let him shine his exposing light in your life. It's, it's challenging, man. We want to hide the messes in our lives. We want to fix the messes in our lives. Don't do it. Let him shine his light, and he's going to fix you like you've never been able to fix yourself. Isn't that encouraging? All right, so we can pray for God to give us the upper hand once we know the source of evil that has attached itself to our flesh. What's our flesh? Well, it's just our natural, stupid tendencies that we have. You know, the selfish self that's in each and every one of us that God wants to expose. And let me tell you what, when that stuff dies inside of you, when your old selfish self dies and is gone, the enemy doesn't have anything to grip on you anymore. All of a sudden, there's no more fear. Have you ever experienced fearlessness before? No worries, no anxiety, no panic attacks. Can you imagine how good that would feel? To not be panicked. Hey, a thought comes in your mind and you just shrug your shoulders and say, I'm not even going to worry about it. You know how you can get there? When your flesh is gone. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. That's the ticket. Amen? Let God pull the weeds out of your life. And you're going to be free as a bird. Free as a bird. Praise God. Set free, happy, joyful, no more anxiety, no more panic attacks, no more fear, no more worry. All right? You have the upper hand in all of this because God has given you the upper hand. All right? Some people say, well, I was born that way. I was born this way. I've always had this personality. I've always had this way of living. You know what? God wants to change how you operate, and he even wants to change who you are. 
He does. He wants to give you, the Bible talks about a new name, a new identity. Man, I'll take a new identity. I'm sick of the old Steve. <laughs> no more old Steve. Get rid of me, man. I want a new Steve. All right? In fact, go ahead and change my name. Call me Mike. <laughs> but I want, I want the new person that God has called me to be, and I want that for you. I want that for you. I want the upper hand with this new Christ-like identity that he's given us. James 1.14, it says, but every person, listen to this. This is the old yucky self, all right? The old person that you want to be, be rid of. It says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. See, as long as that old self, that flesh is inside of you, alive and well, the enemy has a grip on you and you don't have the upper hand because you're, you're living by the old nature, but God wants to live, have you live in a new realm, a higher place, and you're going to get there. In fact, you are getting there one step at a time. You say, Steve, you don't know. I failed. Well, guess what? I have too. You know what you got to do? Get back up again. Get back up again. Don't give up. All right? Keep, keep trying with God's help. You're making progress. Pat yourself on the back and say, hey, I'm here today, right? <laughs> I'm here. I made it to church hey, I'm making progress. It might be slow as a snail, but that's, that's better than no progress at all. All right? How else can we gain this upper hand that we're talking about? Well, listen to this. This is counterintuitive. In other words, this goes opposite to the way that you might logically think things work. But look at this. Being willing to walk in weakness is a secret to God's power showing up. Being willing to walk in weakness. Wow, that does not compute. <laughs> that doesn't sound right, right? No, we, we want to bury our weakness. We want to build up our weakness. We want to figure out how to ignore our weakness. But no, I'm telling you, embrace your weakness, and God's power is going to show up in your weakness. How do I know this? Well, the Bible's super clear about it in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. And I do this. Well, I'll read this, and I'll tell you what I do. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because for my power is made perfect in your weakness. What's your weakness? You don't want to tell me what your weakness is, right? Because it's embarrassing. <laughs> you don't want to, you know, if, you, if I share my weakness with you, you say, that's the stupidest weakness I've ever heard of. Here's how you get rid of X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah. That's my weakness. You have your weakness, and I'll look at your weakness and say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You can totally get rid of that weakness. No, we all have our weaknesses, and they're weaknesses because we can't seem to fix them. But the Bible says, in our weakness, his power starts coming through. His power starts coming through. So I need to embrace my weakness, all right? I need to embrace my weakness and say, I wake up in the morning. Here's how I do it. I wake up in the morning. I have this weakness. I'll tell you one of my weaknesses, all right? This voice that constantly comes in my head and says, it's too hard. You can't do it. It might be a work thing. It might be a personal thing. It might be a financial thing. It might be whatever. I have this weakness that's always, and you know what I do? I wake up in the morning and I say, you're right. What? My weakness is right? Yeah. You're right. I can't do it. But God will. <laughs> That's embracing your weakness and saying, I'm sick. I don't have any energy. 
I can't do it. You're right. But with God's help, I can make it through this day. All right. I have this temptation. I can't overcome this temptation. You're right. I can't do it. But with God's help, he will get me through this. You see, you embrace your weakness and God's power shows up. So don't fight your weakness. Embrace it. Don't fight it. Don't push it off. Don't try to ignore it. Say, hey, no, come here and be my best buddy. We'll be friends together, Mr. Weakness. We're going to be here together. I can't do it. I might have a physical disability. I might have a mental disability. I might have a financial disability. Come here. Let's buddy up and let's see what the power of God can do with us together. You see, things start changing whenever you say, you're right, I can't do it, but God will do it. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And we won't get into who he was or what was going on. Just listen to the message here. It says, not by might, not by power. In other words, not by what I can do or somebody else can do for me. A human can do for me. No, it's by the spirit of God, says the Lord Almighty. See, you want to start living that way. Say, the Spirit of God is going to help me today. I can't tell you how many times in the last year and a half, two, two years, I wake up completely overwhelmed about the day, about whatever I'm facing, and the Holy Spirit whispers into my ear, into my heart, says, I'm with you. I'm with you. The problem's there with me, but guess what? God's there with me even more so than my problem. And I'm saying, all right, I'm good. I could have 50 problems today, and some days I do. (laughs) I could have 50 problems today, but God is with me. It's not by might. It's not by my own abilities. It's by the Spirit of God. Now, let me give you an example. This This is a cool example and has helped me so much kind of begin to see how God works and operates and and have a kind of a tangible place to set my spiritual foot and say, I'm standing here, I get this stuff. Look at this. I'm 50-some-odd years old. I can't remember if I'm 53, 54. I'm not 55, but I'm one of those, all right? I've forgotten how old I am, all right? And in my 40s, my memory hasn't been as sharp, and it aggravates me. I like forget a name. I'll be working and forget what I, you know, I'm in a conversation and my mind will blank out a little bit on me. I'm like, oh, this is not good. Now, I shouldn't be quite that far along. You know? <laughs> I still need to, I still need my brain. And so I've been praying, listen to this. I've been praying, God, give me my memory back. Now, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit reminds us of all things. And we always relegate that to like spiritual things. But you know what? As soon as I start seeing my memory slip, I'll say, Holy Spirit, help me to start remembering. And you know what? The Spirit of God reminds me of that practical thing that I've forgotten. So I'm not relying on my own memory anymore. I'm relying on the Spirit of God to remind me of things. Isn't that neat? That's a totally different thing than saying, God, help my mind to be strong again. I need to remember all of this stuff so I can be self-reliant again. No, I want to be God-reliant in every form, every fashion. There was another, this is an incredible story, and I think my dad said this one. There was a man who had, uh, it was missing an eye. And uh, in fact, I think I actually saw a documentary on this. It was crazy. And so he was given either some kind of physical replacement, but it wasn't for him to see. It was just so that he would look okay without, you know, missing an eyeball. 
And uh, anyways, God allowed him to be able to see out of that eye. They would cover him. I saw it on TV. Now I'm remembering where I saw it. They would cover the good eye, and he would read something with his, his other eye. See, God uses supernatural means, and we need to rely on him, not on ourselves. Not on ourselves. Praise God. So it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's through his power, his might. All right, so what does a weak yet confident Christian look like? See, a lot of times we associate weakness with a lack of confidence, a lack of of being able to get things done. But you know what? God wants us to be weak yet confident. Weak yet confident. So what does that look like? Well, I've already kind of mentioned a little bit, but here in Genesis 41, this is Joseph. Joseph is brought out of prison and he's standing before the Pharaoh, the strongest, the most powerful man of, of the world at that time, or at least one of the most powerful men. And the Pharaoh has just had a dream, and he's asking Joseph to interpret that dream. And this is incredible. Joseph stands before the Pharaoh. It'd be like us standing before the president. And he tells the Pharaoh, because the Pharaoh's just asked him to interpret his dream. And, he, and, and here's what Joseph says, I can't do it but God will. Now, a lot of times we'll say, I can't do it, but God can. But what if you started saying, I can't do it, but God will do it. Man, that's a weak yet confident person. A weak yet confident person. I challenge you to start looking at your problem and say, I can't do it, but my God will do it. See, you have the upper hand with God. In and of yourself, you don't have the upper hand, but as a Christian, as a man or woman of God, you can start saying, you know what, I can't do it. I admit it, I can't do it, but my God will do it. And you start getting God-confident instead of self-confident, you're in a totally different place in life. You have the upper hand. You need to start acting like you have the upper hand, though. Start, stop walking around all moping. I can't do it. No, life's never going to turn out good for me. I, I can't get a break. Nothing ever works out good for me. I keep messing up. In the name of Jesus, turn around and start standing up like a man or woman of God and say, I can't do it, but God will do it. Amen? Amen? Stop being such a victim. Stop, stop being such a wimp. All right? And be a man or a woman of God with confidence, God confidence that God is going to come through for you. He has before. He has many times for you. Isn't he going to do it again? (laughs) Yeah, he's going to do it again. You have the upper hand. In Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15, it says, When you were all dead in your sins, which is that's where we were, when we were all living without Jesus, we were dead in our sins, all right, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, in other words, your flesh was alive and kicking and well, and you trusted in yourself more than anybody else. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you of all that mess that you were living in, that sin, having canceled the charges of our legal indebtedness. We owe God, is what that's saying. He canceled what we owe to God because Jesus paid the price, which stood against us and condemned us. And he took all of that away and he nailed it to the cross. You are free. You have a fresh start. Every day you have a fresh start. It says, but then he went... 
to the powers and authorities, those demons and spirits and all the occultic garbage that is trying to impact your life all the time. Believe it or not, the devil has it in for you. You know, he tries to put a blanket over you of fear or of depression or whatever. That's coming straight from the pit of hell. When you feel that way, there's a demon coming after you. I don't want to scare anybody, but that's just a harsh reality. And you know what? He's disarmed that power and that principality. He's, just, he's taken all their authority away from them because you're a child of God. He's disarmed them. He's made a public spectacle of them. And he's already triumphed over them by the cross. The problem is you and I just don't know that. And we just put up with it. And we just say, oh, I guess I'm just going to live this way. I guess this is how I have to live the rest of my life. And God's saying, no, I've taken, the, I've taken the weapons away from them. And you know what? I've weaponized you. I've given you weapons that you can overcome your powerless, impotent enemy. You have weapons, spiritual weapons. The Bible tells us they're divine weapons with power that can demolish strongholds. That fear inside of you, that's a stronghold. Another pride that's inside of you, that's a stronghold. That addiction that's inside of you, that's a stronghold. All right? That voice that you hear that's negativity, that's a stronghold. God has given you weapons against those things that are inside of you, and you can demolish those strongholds through those weapons that God has given you. All right? So, in fact, we'll just read it for 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, Although we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish those stinking attitudes and thoughts and hang-ups that we all have in our minds and our brains. God wants to set you free, but you got to start using those weapons against your powerless enemy. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, it says, In truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness, I love this imagery, in the right hand and in the left hand. You have so many weapons, you need two hands to carry everything in. Now, you start need to start acting like a warrior, though. And stop wanting such an easy peasy life. Oh, I I just want I just I just want it easy. Well, guess what? You're never going to have it easy in this life. But you can live a victorious life. You can live a life where you're gonna win from now on instead of losing from now on. Don't look for an easy life. That's going to be in heaven. We'll get there eventually, all right? But for now, we're in a battle, we're in a war, and we have the upper hand in this battle. Stop thinking about the last several, you know, uh, you can't get a break. Uh, things keep panning out wrong for you. Stand up and start fighting the battle that God has given you to fight. You have weapons in your right hand and in your left hand. What are those weapons? Well, there's zillions of them. A lot of people say prayer and the Bible are my weapons, and they're not wrong. This is true. But you know what? When God puts a truth in your mind that defeats a lie that's been in your mind, that is your weapon. That is your weapon. I'll never forget when I started realizing, I don't have to lust after women anymore. (laughs) I don't have to do it anymore. The truth of God came into my mind, and all of a sudden, I didn't have to lust anymore. I was free. Happened years ago, and I'll never forget. It was the best feeling in the world that that truth came into my mind and I was set free. Amen. Praise God. Well, I've had multiple truths come into my mind. They're weapons. The truth of God is a weapon against a specific lie 
that's coming against you. I used to think when I was growing up from a little baby kid, I would think that my dad was going to die. You know, just this constant nagging thought. If he didn't come in at a certain time at night, I was gripped with fear that he was going to die. But one night, I was about 18 years old, the truth of God came into my mind and said, you don't have to fear anymore. And from that day forward, I was free. I was free. You see specific truths that come from heaven fight those stinking lies that grip you, that pin you down, and you are free. You've won the battle. You have weapons in your left hand. You have weapons in your right hand. You can be set free, and you can win your battles starting today. Starting today. All right, so let these divine weapons do their work. I pray for people, and I say, I'm done. I've prayed the prayer. God's going to let that weapon do its work. I don't have to sit here and agonize over so-and-so. I prayed the prayer of faith, and I'm going to let the weapon do its work. And then a day or two later, I hear the miracle happen. God did the work. You see, you pray the prayer. God does the heavy lifting. He does the heavy lifting. Now, sometimes a what you call a spirit of intercession comes over me and I sit there and I cry out to God and I pray for that person and I shed tears for that person and then it just lifts off of me and I know that God's heard my prayer and I just go about my business and I go and do whatever I need to do. Sometimes it's a simple prayer, but let the spirit of God show you how to pray. Show you how to pray. It takes, it takes practice. In fact, that's what we're about to get into here. Don't worry, we're almost done. So you have the upper hand as a Christian, but if you don't exert your advantage, it will be as if you don't have the upper hand. All right? If I have a uh, you know, big old gun, and I don't know how to put bullets in the gun, or I'm not confident in shooting that gun, that gun's worthless to me. But if I have the skill and I have the confidence, that weapon is a powerful tool in my arsenal. You need these two things with spiritual weapons. You need the skill and you need to be confident in using that weapon. And that takes time. That takes practice. In fact, we learn uh, with skill, you know, you need, I mean, scientifically, they tell you you need about 10,000 repetitions of doing something to get good at it, whether it's music or whether it's art or whether it's something at work, whatever. You need, you know how long, you know how many 10,000 repetitions? If you did practice once a week on something and you need 10,000 reps to get good at it, that's going to be, I did the math, 189 years. Bummer. You're never going to be good at it. All right? you got to do it more than once a week. All right, so let's try once a day. If you did it 10,000 days, all right, you know how long that's going to be? 27 years. Well, that's still a long time, right? It's probably a quarter of your life or a third of your life is gone before you ever get good at something. So what's the ticket? Get a lot of reps and spiritual reps. Learn, fan into flame the, the gift that God has given you. Get good at it. Invest in it. Pour into it. Use it. If you you don't use it, you lose it, right? God's given you weapons now. Practice them. He's gifted you. He's equipped you. You've got the upper hand, but you need to practice and get good at it. 
tell you what, if you do it two times a day, that's 13 years. Hey, now we're getting the timeline down a little bit. Three times a day, it's going to be nine years. Four times a day, seven years. You can get there if you'll invest in the weapons that God has given. You're going to be an overcomer. You're going to have the upper hand a lot quicker. But start today. Start today. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scriptures God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and what? Training in righteousness. And I didn't mention this, but our weapons are righteous weapons. Learn the righteousness of God. Learn that righteousness comes from God. It's not produced inside of you. You say, God, give me some more righteousness, and he will give it to you. And your weapons will come to life because they are weapons of righteousness. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study and do your best to present yourself to God, a workman that's, that's pleasing to God, that's useful to God. Do your best. Stop doing 50% on God. Go 120% on God. Go all the way. Man, wake up. What is it going all the way? Get up at 5 in the morning and start reading your Bibles and praying. Man, go to church, all right? Do what you need to do, and you're going to grow in God. You're going to grow in God. Here's one. I heard this from Coach Saban, Nick Saban. But then I went back to find out where the quote actually originated, and it actually originated with a school superintendent back in like 1918 or something like that. But this is what the school superintendent says, and many coaches use, whether in football, baseball, or whatnot, is practice until you can't get it wrong. Practice until you can't get it wrong. Don't practice until you get it right, because you get it right fairly quickly, but then you get it wrong, you know, the next three times. Practice until you can't get it wrong. Put God first. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and you're going to start getting the upper hand in your life. Amen? All right, so here's just some random scriptures that I'll leave you with. So this, is, this proves that we have the upper hand according to the word of God. Romans 8, 31, I love this. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So you quote that. You tell yourself these things. Have you ever talked to yourself before? Yeah? You need to talk to yourself, all right? You need to psych yourself up sometimes. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David even says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. He was talking to himself. (laughs) So you say, if God is for me, look, if you have to look in the mirror and be awkward, do it this way or talk to yourself in the car. Just don't do it while people are looking at you because they'll think you're weird. But talk to yourself and say, if God is for me, who can be against me? My boss can't be against me. That coworker that hates me can't be against me. My ex-wife can't be against me. Whoever it is, they can't be against me because God is for me. Yeah, you start walking around and thinking different and being different. Psalms 18.32, it says, It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. God is going to give you weapons. Now start using them, as we've mentioned this whole time. First uh, Samuel 17.47, here's David talking to Goliath and, all those gathered here will know, Goliath, that it is not by sword nor by spirit that the Lord saved, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give all of you into our hands. You look at your addiction, you say, God is going to give you into my hands. You look into your worrisome nature, 
God is going to give you into my hands. You look at that negativity that you struggle with, God is going to give you into my hands. You wake up depressed in the morning, you speak to that depression, you say, God is going to give you into my hands. You look at your sickness, you say, God is going to give you into my hands. You look into that relationship strife, struggle that you're having, say, God is going to give you into my hands. Who is your Goliath? And you start speaking to it that way because you have the upper hand in the name of Jesus. Uh, A few more here. Joshua 1, verses 3 through 6. He will give you every place where you set your foot. This is God speaking to Joshua. Every place. He's telling you the same thing. Everywhere you put your foot. You put your foot in the grocery store, God's giving you. You put your foot into the office, God has given you that territory. You put your foot in wherever you're going, God is giving you territory. He says your territory is going to extend throughout this, this whole set of places that he names here. And then verse 5, no one will ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Well, you say, well, I've been stood against many times. Well, it's time for things to change. It's time for your experience to line up with the word of God. <laughs> Stop saying, well, that's never happened for me before. Huh? <laughs> well, it needs to change. Things need to start changing. You start adopting the truths of the Bible in your life and stop feeling like you're, you know, you're subject to everything that happens to you. All right? Why? Because I, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. You're not by yourself. Stop thinking that you're by yourself. You aren't. You've got the God of the universe with you every morning, every evening, and throughout the day and throughout the night. Said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Be strong and courageous. In fact, I read this kind of like God says, Please be strong and courageous. Please, just for my sake, please start being brave and stop being so wimpy and fearful and pathetic. Please be strong and courageous. I feel that's how God was talking to, to Joshua. Would you stop being this way? Because if you read back, Moses was telling him to be strong and courageous. The whole Israelite leadership was telling Joshua, you got to be strong and courageous. Something tells me that Joshua was a pretty timid guy and wasn't very self-confident. And people saw that and they said, "Uh uh-oh, this guy's going to be a leader. It's time for him to be strong and courageous. You need to be strong and courageous so that you can lead this people to inherit the land. Deuteronomy, here's the last three. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who who goes before you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. Man, if I, had a, if I was to tell you, put anything in your bathroom mirror, write this on a post-it and slap it up there. And every morning when you're opening your eyes, and you're trying to brush your teeth, you say, what, what's on my mirror here? Oh, yeah, it says, for the Lord your God is with you, who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. And you could put in parentheses, today. <laughs> This is today, not next, next week, not next month, this year. No, today. And uh, in Exodus 14, 14, this is when the Israel was about to cross the Red Sea. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Man, that's a good one. Psalms 44, verse 3. It was not by their swords that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was through your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you love them. You love them. Praise God. Anybody energized? Are you ready for this week? Do you know who your enemy is? 
Do you know what you have the upper hand over? Because every one of us is different. Name your enemy. Is it depression? Is it a fear? Whatever it is, name your enemy. Is it a temptation? God is giving you the upper hand over that thing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God, for, Lord, for this, this God, this, these truths, Lord. For me personally, the last two weeks, they've been lifting me. I've been living out these truths, Lord. I've been thinking about them. I've been meditating on them, Lord God. I've been acting on them, Lord Jesus. I've been using weapons, Lord God, that my frail, uh, untrained uh, arms, spiritual arms have, have not been used to. But Lord, I've been strengthening spiritually, Lord God, to use these weapons, Lord God, against the enemies that oftentimes are simply inside of me. Lord, I don't want this mess inside of me anymore. I don't want I don't want these lies, these voices, Lord, not literal voices, but the thoughts that come into mind. Lord, you've given me the upper hand, the supreme advantage over every single one of those things. And so have you for every single Christian that hears these, this message today, that's hearing these words today, Lord God. They have the upper hand, praise God. And I pray for every single person in this room and anybody that might listen to this message down the line, I pray for them that you'd give them a spirit of revelation. Lord God, that you'd open the eyes of their heart. Lord God, that they might be enlightened as to the hope of the inheritance that they have. Lord God, that you, Lord, your word says to wait until Christ comes and he comes every day. Lord, we wait for Christ to come and expose the stuff that's inside of us, the mess that's inside of us, Lord God, the motives that's in our heart, Lord God, that we begin, Lord Jesus, to have that upper hand, that we're led captives in a triumphal procession behind Jesus each and every day. Praise God. And-